Welcome to the Web3 Music Podcast. I'm Jake Abel, and I'm here to explore the different intersections of music, entertainment, crypto, and NFTs. Each episode, I interview an artist, creator, or builder who's pushing the envelope in music NFTs, artist tooling, community building, and more. Before we get into the episode, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Neon Ox, the premier North American ticketing solution for your next live event. Neon Ox is harnessing the power of blockchain and the GET protocol to change the events industry for the better. Using NFTs on the back end and a familiar intuitive checkout funnel on the front end, ticket buyers can purchase 100% fraud-free tickets without any blockchain knowledge or experience. Neonox provides personal account managers for each client, and their platform has an integrated secondary market to eliminate scams. Event organizers can even factor in a royalty to these sales to get a cut of secondary market action. They also have the ability to include a free NFT with each ticket so that interested fans can claim their digital collectible after each event and event organizers can see which attendees are interested in Web3. To learn more about Neonox and how they can help improve your ticketing experience, visit neonox.io and mention this podcast on the contact form on their Start Selling page. You can also reach out to the Web3 Music Podcast on social media and we will help you schedule a demo of the platform. And with that, let's get into today's episode. Today, I'm talking with Alex Lopez, the founder and CEO of SoundPicker. SoundPicker is a music NFT platform built on Solana, aimed at fixing music royalties with transparent data and immediate payments. We talk about this goal, the problems with the traditional music streaming royalty system, licensing music for metaverses, how SoundPicker got started, and more. I hope you learned something new from today's episode. Here is Alex Lopez. So just in poking around the uh, SoundPicker website over the last week, you guys got a lot of different stuff going on. I mean, there's the DAO, there's the marketplace, there's a bunch of data analytics. So why don't you start and give me an overview of, you know, what SoundPicker is and and all the stuff you guys have going on? Sure. So, um, well, first of all, thanks for having me here. And SoundPicker is a data-focused music NFT company. I guess that that is the shortest that I can put it. And uh, it's interesting that you've pointed out that we've got all of those things because actually today, so Monday, whatever day it is, Monday 12th, we've um, actually announced the reviewed vision for SoundPicker. So pulling in all the data that we've been getting and being able to contrast both what's happening in the real world of music and what's happening in the NFT space for music, we realized that there is... I guess there's too many people trying to fix the same problem, which is bringing songs to the NFT space and trying to fight for it. So we are moving away from calling ourselves a marketplace. And actually, we are now developing our roadmap as to what is going to happen with the marketplace and how to use it. So to answer the initial question, so what we are, we are a data-focused company. And what we're doing here is actually fixing the music royalties processes. So something that we've noticed and one of the things that we're doing at the moment, we've partnered up with a number of um, metaverses and play to earn games that were using music improperly. So with this, we actually have a pool of thousands of songs to be able to soundtrack metaverses and collect royalties from Web3 applications. Now, our goal with this is we're still very data focused. So we've got one of the largest databases for music at the moment. And just we are using Web3 technology to resolve how musicians are getting paid, which means transparent 
and immediately. Oh, interesting. So that's sort of a, I mean, that's kind of a pivot from where you started, right? It started more as a marketplace for musicians to release their own NFT projects. Um, yes and no. So we actually started off as a data company. So we were looking to build the data analytics for music and not just to be used for uh, NFTs, but actually to be used as well for anybody that's looking to purchase any intellectual property. Um, this is a movement that started quite heavily a couple of years ago. Uh, Hypnosis is a very famous company that has been buying music IP uh, very actively. And um, then there's a couple of companies, both in the US and Europe, that offer intellectual property for sale. Now, there's not a company that can offer public information about musicians, whether it's revenue, um, whether it's um, overall engagement on social media, how they're growing, even how they're engaging with the NFT community. We've noticed that NFT projects that do well is because the creators really back their project and talk about it. And in music, you've got superstars selling NFTs, but they barely talk about the NFTs. So we actually have been able to pick all this data and be able to offer in one screen, whether you, Jake, if you are involved in NFTs, if you're selling NFTs, how much are you talking about your NFTs? How involved are you in Twitter spaces? How much content you're producing about NFTs? As well as is your revenue, if your engagement in the real world is growing, then it makes sense for people to actually back you up in NFTs as well. Um, so we started off as data, and, and data is our core and it's our superpower. And um, we are pivoting on the use that we have for NFTs. Whilst we're still creating NFTs, and actually we've closed the deal that we'll be able to announce in a couple of days uh, for a couple of tens of thousands of songs. And that includes um, existing catalogs as well as new catalogs. So music that hasn't been released yet. Um, we are pivoting in that sense. So how we are putting those NFTs forward. And instead of just selling the NFTs and doing drops for marketing purposes, we're able to exploit and to actually give another rec recurring uh, revenue stream for the creators, which is essentially licensing those songs and collecting royalties from those songs in, in the Web3 space. Interesting. So these songs that you have cataloged you're helping what license them for different metaverses is that what you mean yeah absolutely so we've got a number of partnerships that again we'll announce today's monday the 12th so we're recording this monday 12th um so we're expecting on the 19th so next monday to be able to announce a couple of the partnerships that we've uh, completed and um, we're not a licensing partner that's not what we do we're just there to offer the technical solution to collect the royalties from the metaverse. Mm -hmm. So the songs are still the property and sole IP of either the labels of the composers, songwriters, etc. We're just a technical partner to be able to collect the royalties that PROs at the moment, they're not equipped, interested or ready to be able to collect. Um, our idea is that to obviously make it very transparent so all the data of how music is being consumed will be on-chain and uh, all the payments as well on-chain. So we host no money. We don't, we're not a PRO that you need to come and claim the money. The um, revenues are transferred directly from consumers straight to the artist. So still full control, full transparency, 
And what we're doing there is to start building a proof of concept to completely change how royalties are distributed in the real world. Mm -hmm. So how how were royalties distributed previously in like, let's say the Web2 world? Um, and what, what were the pain points there that you or guys are now solving? It's a good question. So um, obviously intellectual property in music is very complicated and there are multiple rights that musicians need to be able to register. And actually, so since we made all this announcement, we, and even before anyways, we, we've been finding a overwhelming amount of artists, music makers um, in social media that they do not understand why intellectual property is complicated. A lot of the answers is like, oh, you know, I already distribute my music on DSPs, so why would I need to register the songs? And I think that's very troubling because two reasons. One is the fact there's a lack of education on independent musicians. Two, I think that uh, a lot of musicians don't know that they need to register their songs because it's already fairly complicated. And if you're doing this independently, you know, it's already quite complex. So to answer your question as to how music is distributed, uh, we like using the example of um, radio. Why? Because radio still is a really big thing for discovery of music. Uh, it pays obviously way more royalties than streaming services. One play on radio will pay you 10 or almost 100 times more than a single stream. So um, um, with radio, let's say, Jake, you're an artist, you're in the US. You're US? Yeah. Yeah, sorry, yeah. For some reason, I thought you were Canada, but no, US. So, um, Jake, you're an artist in the US. Your songs are registered in the US. Okay, let's say BMI and Sound Exchange. Okay. Now, your song gets played on radio in the US. Okay, let's say you get one airplay. You will need to wait in the realm of between six, 12, or 18 months to see the money go into your account. Okay. That is if you're a U.S. artist registered in the U.S. with your music being in the U.S. Basically, the, the most simple situation. Uh -huh. Now, what happens if your song is um, broadcasted in South Africa? So the radio station in South Africa needs to make that uh, information available to the, let's call it the BMI of South Africa. I don't know what it is, but, you know, let's call it South African BMI. Now that PRO will collect the money and take a cut from it and then transfer the rest to uh, BMI in the US. BMI in the US will take the cut and then they will pay you as the artist. So there's two cuts, double the time. So it could be that whatever airplay you get in South Africa, it will take, let's say, just to, to for the purpose of this example, it could take another 12 months or 18 months. And that's if the um, South African PRO is you know fairly efficient and they get the information as it is um the, the, so, PR, the pros are um basically they distribute the royalties and keep track of that data what does pro stand for so pro is performing rights organization. performing rights that's yeah, right performing rights yes <clears throat> um so and um, then bmi like what and then what exactly is bmi so BMI is a PRO and the US, obviously I'm not in the US, so I'm not 100% um, sure if they collect all rights. I think they collect performing, broadcast and master rights. And then you've got the sound exchange that collects the other side of broadcasting. So the, the, the master rights of broadcast. 
Um, I'll give you an example of a UK. In the UK, we've got three organizations. One that collects the songwriting and publishing rights, one that collects the master rights, and one that collects the broadcast rights. Okay. So if your song is reproduced on radio, you need to be registered on two organizations. If your music is on DSPs, you need to be on two organizations. If your song is being performed live or reproduced live in a club, etc., you need to be registered on three organizations. Very complicated. So it's not just that. It's also the fact that it's the latency on the payment, is a lack of transparency as to what organizations are taking what cuts. And um, it's obviously the conversion rates. We use the example of South African organizations. In South Africa, they've got a different currency than the US. So even that transfer of funds also means a loss for the artists. So there's a very nice company, and I it's annoying that I completely forgot the name now, but they, they're actually, it's a tech company, and they are able to calculate overall how much money is lost on, not just on the transfer of funds from PRO to PRO, but also how much money musicians lose and miss out on whenever music is not just broadcasting on radio or on TV, but also the money that's lost whenever there's a payout of royalties from DSPs. So with all that, anyways, I think I've made it very long and I apologize, but the whole pain point, which was your original question is, it's very slow. It's um, quite unreliable and is opaque. And just by using Web3, uh, we're able to just turn that completely around and be able to make it very transparent with information available, not just for the artists, but also for, you know, radios, video games, television, everything. They all can check their, how much they're spending. They can check how the music is being used. You remove administration costs on having to fill up your sheets and saying, I'm a TV show and I'm using all these hundred songs. You remove all that and you speed up the processes so that if your song is reproduced today as an artist, you get paid today. Yeah, that's a pretty significant change than, uh, than the old way. I can see how. I mean, I've, I've definitely heard a lot about how streaming and royalties in general have all of those different pain points in, you know, who collects the royalties, where you send it to, it takes forever. Um, how, how are you able to move that like streaming and, and usage data on chain so that like, for example, if a radio station, you know, in the UK plays a song by an American artist and then the American artist needs to get paid, how are you able to track that data on chain when, you know, like a radio station doesn't necessarily occur on the blockchain? Mm -hmm. Very good question. And uh, we already have a roadmap for this. And I think that's obviously quite long and it's something that's going to take us a couple of years. Um, but the key thing is not just how to do it, because technology exists to be able to make this process um, possible. But it's more about the support that we get from PROs. At the end of the day, you know, something that is going to definitely help it's to be able to partner up with the PROs around the world to essentially not just to make the whole process simpler for them, but it's also the fact that they will reduce any costs uh, that are internal. Uh, administration will be done much faster. Their pipelines will speed up so much because you don't need to start accounting for the royalties you will collect next year. It's the fact that you're collecting royalties immediately. Um, 
And, um, you know, we already have a bunch of steps as to how to get there. The easiest and earliest way for us to get there is to tackle Web3 applications with Web3 technology. And that's where we are at at the moment. Um, and actually, if you go to, to our website, you will see the brand new goal and the vision as to how we've uh, updated it. And um, it's actually fairly straightforward. It's just that since we were not a marketplace from the start, marketplace was a feature that came afterwards. We were data and we were payments. That's what we were. We were making payments easier we, we, and we were offering huge amounts of data. So we were already pre, pre very prepared for anything like this. And we wanted to resolve royalties from the very start. It was just when the latest update of the data that we had that we were able to actually pivot very quickly because I don't think that there's any other marketplace that can see that the market cap for music NFTs is extremely small for the huge amount of companies that are trying to tackle the, just the purely commercialization, the sell of music NFTs. And um, I think that that is a key thing that, you know, we're quite proud that we're able to make that. It's not a huge change. It's just that we completely shift in the priorities that we're going towards. So instead of trying to build the best marketplace for people to trade, buy, sell, and go crazy with the music NFTs, yes, we'll still be able to offer NFTs uh, for people that want to buy them. But instead, we're going to focus on the use of the NFT technology to be able just to fix the music industry from its core, which is how musicians are getting paid. Rather than having to create a new product for musicians to earn more, it's more about how can we go to the core and any digital usage of music, getting it paid as soon as possible. Right, okay. Yeah, I see the difference there. Because, um, right, the NFT market as a whole for musicians is sort of just like a new revenue stream it's a new industry it's like a new way to connect with their fans but there's also a lot of applications for web3 to fix the existing way that the music industry operates so you're talking about streaming and getting paid and streamlining all of that um and fixing the existing parts um which is cool i feel like that's almost more challenging i mean you're sort of you have to go into these existing legacy systems and try to figure out how to work with them to sort of disrupt maybe not their whole model, but disrupt, you know, a huge way they do business. Um, so is, is that how you feel about sort of this mission of, of, you know, changing the streaming royalties versus like just creating a marketplace? Um, yes. Um, again, I guess that obviously we went with the marketplace angle because there was all this hype and, um, it was a good time to have a marketplace and, and build it up. We got really great partnerships and we did um, amazing stuff. We're still obviously going to be dropping NFTs because we still need to create NFTs. Um, but for example, we're now going to partner up with another marketplace to be able to do like a joint collaboration uh, across our marketplace and their marketplace. Um, so yes, I would say that obviously it's a much bigger challenge and at the same time i think that is a better use of our funds of our time and of uh, you know everything that we're doing because once again we've got something that i guess that nobody else has 
which is this huge amount of data. And we're able to investigate how music is developing. And ever since the NFT um, movement in music happened, I mean, yes, it's been great. There's a lot of musicians that are making a lot of money. And uh, that is something that we want to keep, you know, uh, promoting and, and be part of. But there is a better way for our technology in this case, which is, you know, instead of having to distract musicians and I guess the quote unquote forcing them to jump into Web3, it could be just that we come in and offer, let's, a software upgrade. I'm not sure if this is going to go on video, but, you know, just doing the quote, um, software upgrade for those uh, legacy processes that you mentioned earlier. So it doesn't have to be a complete revolution of the PROs, but rather than, you know, instead of using Windows XP, you know, we sort of upgraded, integrate with them. And, you know, you've got Windows 10 or 11 or whatever Windows, I don't know, Windows user, I don't know what I, I <laughs> use that example. But, um, you know, whatever that is, is the fact that you're just able to still use the same machine, but just with a much better software. Okay. I think I'm getting a pretty good picture of it now. You met, So you mentioned earlier that, you know, you're starting with metaverses and how they're using music. You said they were music using music the wrong way or maybe not doing everything the right way. What what were they doing wrong? And then how how are you going in to fix that? So um, we spoke to a number of metaverses that were quite confused as to why they needed us. And I guess that that's where the whole story begins. So when we were starting to move away from calling ourselves a marketplace and moving towards being a royalty solution. Um, we're talking to a number of metaverses and they said, well, we already have music in the game. And the way that they had music was they were just downloading music and just playing it on the game. Or other examples where there's a metaverse that we partnered up with that they were using YouTube music. So they were picking up the links, creating a playlist in the uh, back end. And then that was being broadcasted in the entire um, in the entire uh, environment of the metaverse. Now that is troubling because this particular metaverse, they were using music not from small artists. They had a playlist that had Chance the Rapper, they had uh, Drake, and they had ASAP Rocky, and you know, you name it. You know, Kanye West, all the big hip hop names, right? And when they told us that, I said. Oh, so you've got permission from them. Like, have you spoken to them or their labels to have this? Said, so, no, we don't need it. We're using it from YouTube. It's on YouTube, so it's available for us, basically. And that's the key problem, I think. So there, there is um, two things. So there is metaverses that are silent, meaning they have no sound effects or, or soundtracks. Or two, there's metaverses and games that are using music without permission. And they do not understand why. And so... Um, this is how the whole conversation started. And, and, and we've realized that there is a lot of money going towards uh, gaming in Web3. Actually, I, I, I found this article, and I can send it to you later, as to the fact that VCs are still pouring a lot of money into gaming in Web3. That is the thing that's been funded the most. And, you know, some games and metaverses have the backing of a great team 
that have loads of experience and others, you know, just students of or just came out of uni and they are very driven, hungry and motivated to build something great, but they've got no experience in gaming. And no experience in gaming also says that probably they have no experience in licensing music. So in this case, um, what we've built is a what we call the meta player that essentially they can copy and paste it onto their code. So it's integration that's very seamless. It means nothing for the development teams. And they've got access to a huge database of songs that are great quality because we've partnered up with great labels and publishers. And they are cleared to be used. So with that, we're actually resolving all the legal processes for licensing music. We're resolving the fact that they've got dynamic soundtracks whereby they can see which songs their players are listening to, which songs their players are skipping, and be able to adapt their soundtracks based on what the players like. And the most important thing is the fact that um, musicians get paid directly without the interference of anybody. So again, we're not the licensing partner. We're not saying, oh yeah, you pay us and then we'll pay the, mu the musician. No, the musician partners with us, the rights holder, let's say, with a publisher, label, songwriter, etc. Partner with us, we bring those songs as an NFT to Web3, and then we're able to offer everything for the artist to track usage, not just of people listening, but also people buying the NFT as well as giving transparent information to the metaverses. So then they see that they're being charged the royalties, you know, whatever um, they actually need to pay. And um, it completely resolves everything from having to think about licensing, uh, legalities, um, having to hire a music specialist team, having to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on a composer that probably will make, you know, an ish job to, um, um, you know, soundtrack a game. And um, at the end of the day, is that is the first step into the royalty collection of what could be, you know, the royalty collection of the future. So with all of these songs that you have um, that are part of the meta player, you, when you partner with an artist, you create an NFT with their music to put that on chain. And then from there, you're able to track the usage. Is that what, is that how you described it? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Okay. So, okay. So I guess I was confused earlier as to how you can keep track of all this sort of off chain, you know, activity, but so with every music that you're adding to the catalog that you guys are, you know, not set, you know, that you guys are using to partner with these metaverses so that they can use the music, you create NFTs of every single song that's part of your catalog. Mm -hmm. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. And then well, when the metaverse, like when a metaverse is using the song in their game, you're able to track that they're playing the song from that specific NFT. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. All right. I get it. <laughs> it was a little confusing. Yeah, yeah. Start. I mean, you know, it's confusing because, like it's you quite, said it's earlier, technical, yeah. music rights are, yeah, music IP is, is, yeah, definitely very technical and very confusing. Um, so I can see how this definitely solves a lot of problems for a lot of different people. Um, have you with with finding partners in music and record labels and stuff do you have to do a lot of web3 education and onboarding for them and how how has that been uh yeah absolutely so um, uh, we had to do more education when we were calling ourselves marketplace 
because again they thought why do i need to sell my song like i just want people to stream it right because that is the concept that they understand um well i'm not gonna say that actually i'll take that back they understand a lot of things but they do not understand the benefits of uh, a music nft marketplace and um there was a lot of education to be done and then slowly whilst we were behind the scenes transitioning towards this new model um all we had to say is hey guys we've got our smart contracts are built so then you create nfts at zero cost so it costs you nothing to create nfts we will charge you nothing to put those songs which is representing your songs in the web3 and uh, the money's paid to you directly so they're like let's call it micro licenses so they're small licenses and they get paid those um residual royalties every time the song has been used and that is something that they understand they're like cool so i know how to license music this sounds like a mini license and i know how royalties work so it sounds like you're collecting royalties i understand that and so I think that that is a key piece that myself and the team we've been learning for the past few months. The fact that if we have to re-educate a whole industry, what happens there is that then there's a slower adoption. And I guess that it happened already with streaming where there was a lot of resistance towards moving to a fully digital system. And it was very slow. There was a lot of musicians that didn't like, I mean, I remember when, um, it, I couldn't listen to Oasis on Spotify. And I'll be like, why not? And it took years to actually get Oasis songs on Spotify. Or Arctic Monkeys, one of my favorite bands when I was a kid. And I couldn't find their songs. And it's that. It's the fact that there was a re-education piece to be done. But in this case, I think that we can just use the technology to just improve behind the scenes. So then the message is not that hey, Jake, you are a label, a manager, a publisher, whatever it is that you do in music, and you have to relearn this, or you have to completely change the way that you uh, think about music and you have to learn a brand new thing. Well, so instead of saying that, all we say is like, hey, we've got a software up upgrade and you're gonna get paid faster, more transparent, and you've got full control of everything, which is the direction that we're going for and that, so far you know everybody's really liking it so yeah there was a lot more education to be done before now it's just we talk the same language as music and music execs and just saying the process is the same you just get paid faster and you've got all the information available not just on our platform but if you don't trust us for whatever reason information is open source and publicly available on the blockchain Okay. Yeah, that's cool. That's really interesting. Um, I can definitely see how, uh, you know, it's once you speak their language, it's easier for people to understand. Um, it sort of goes back into what we were saying earlier, like, you know, you're disrupting the way that the old music industry works instead of sort of helping to build the new use case of music NFTs. Um, so that's cool. Have, have in talking with DSPs, are they, like easy to get on board with the idea once you sort of explain the benefits and how it makes their lives easier? Good question. So we haven't spoken to DSPs yet. And the reason being is because 
we, I think that we need to be able to build up the case studies first before trying to go to a, another tech company and say, hey, integrate us to what you do. At the end of the day, DSPs are tech companies and they've got their own software, their own processes. And I mean, uh, Spotify a couple of weeks ago announced that they want to get into NFTs. Now we need to see how that unfolds. But it's the fact that it's good that they're thinking about these things. Um, and at the end of the day, the way that royalties are paid on the DSPs is, again, probably a bit different from what it's paid on any form of broadcast, whether it's on retail, when you go to a shopping mall, there's music or your restaurant, barbershop, whatever. Royalties are paid in a different way then, as well as different on radio, different on DSPs. So in this case, what we're doing is making sure that the interaction between what we've built and what metaverses have built is solid and secure. And then we can start moving up that ladder um, slowly but surely. Um, we're able to, sometime next year, we'll be able to launch a solution that will go for radios and TV. We'll be able to then integrate with PROs. And then PROs are the ones that talk directly with DSPs. So it could be a very easy transition then afterwards. So um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a very long road to be able to change something that has existed for so many years. But it's the fact that we're able to demonstrate that it works in Web3. And again, we're going to launch. So Monday next week, we'll be able to start announcing a couple of partnerships with metaverses, start showing how that's working, and hopefully change how music NFTs are being consumed. Because like I mentioned earlier, we've got this data. And I mean, you go to our website, you'll be able to see the comparison between WebTube or streaming revenues um, to date. So that's the updated number. I think it's around 40 billion, uh, give or take. Compared to NFTs, uh, music NFTs, which is specific, there's about 25 million. Um, there's obviously a lot of collections we do not have yet. But again, their market cap is so small that it will be insignificant to change that number. And I think that that's the key thing, that music NFTs are consumed as a tradable asset, which is great, but it's going to take a long time to actually make a lot of um, improvements and to get full-on adoption if there's 20 million music NFT marketplaces for a 25 million market cap. So um, we, anyways, back to what you said earlier, our DSP is receptive of this and we haven't spoken to them. Um, I've uh, I've got contact with DSPs in the UK, of course, so it would be good at some point to be able to, you know, knock on the door and, and, and see what they think. Um, but at, at this stage, I think that, you know, we need to take one step at a time. And the step that we're at is bringing in new songs to represent and bringing in new NFT partners to resolve their legal issues, potential legal issues with music. Right. So, you, you know, you start small with the easier use case and build up to hopefully, you know, disrupt yeah. the industry at whole. Yeah, yeah that, makes, that makes sense. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, when you let's can we go back to the start of Sound Picker for a minute, sort of backtrack to, you know, what you were doing leading up to that and how it got started. I'm just curious again about how 
you know, this, you know, how it got started and how you ended up pivoting towards this more data centric streaming focus. So how it got started. So I realized that I didn't have the data that I needed. So uh, I was working in licensing, music licensing, and um, I wanted a clear way of checking data on artists to be able to see um, not just um, you know who's doing well and who's not, but also to be able to understand the value of their songs to then be able to understand how to price a license. Okay, it started off like that. Just the fact that I, I was lacking revenue data, I was lacking engagement data, I was lacking discovery tools as someone that needs music for pitching. And it um, started off as that, as just, you know, I, I need data. I need to be able to calculate um, licenses in a better way and to be able to negotiate better with at the time, I was working with gaming studios and also with supervisors working in TV and film. So um, I hired a developer. We started building a database. It sort of started turning into something that didn't exist. So we sent it to Angel Investment. We got a bit of money. And then we started developing it until we got a, couple, a bit of VC money as well to build a team and finish up the product. That is how it got started, as I need data and I need something that's transparent and easy to use. And we were a data-focused uh, company, which just didn't have a very clear way of monetizing the data. And something that I didn't want to do is to build a SaaS product. I didn't want, because there's a platform called Chartmetric, great guys and uh, great data, and it, you know loads of people in the industry use it. They charge you, uh, 140 $150 or pounds, which dollars could be close to the $200. Um, or maybe there's a discount. I don't know. I haven't used it for a long time. But it's it's a, it's a substantial amount of money that they charge you to use their platform. And um, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be a subscription-based platform. I wanted the data to be transparent. I wanted the data to be available. And um, I wanted people to, you know, that was when the NFT boom started as well with Kings of Leon, with Blau and all those guys. And I said, why don't we just offer this for people to have their, uh, I don't know, the Binance for music, you know. Binance doesn't charge you anything to, to analyze music. Sorry, to analyze coins. You go there, you've got all the tools, you can research, you can find. So why should we do that? If, you know, music is a tradable asset and uh, Merck from Hypnosis has demonstrated that. It's something that can, um, it's not heavily affected by inflation. And it is something that if you own a piece of it, that it will generate money for you without having to move a finger, um, probably for the rest of your life and your kid's life. So, Started off like that, and um, we saw that there was an opportunity to sell NFTs as a monetization uh, route, and uh, we build a marketplace. But that as well happened that a lot of new music NFT marketplaces started coming up. A lot of people wanted to specialize in marketplaces. I mean, I spoke to um, John Legend's manager from the UK, and they were building their own music NFT marketplace. And then John Legend, then they made an announcement uh, on Music Press that they were going to be releasing 
collectibles from their friends and you know music friends and you've got this celebrity marketplaces coming up that then they make no sound and i guess that there was very it was very quiet and i guess there hasn't really been spoken about afterwards but it's that it's the fact that everybody wanted a marketplace everybody wanted music nfts and new music nft marketplaces keep coming up and from talking to our partner, I mean, we're very lucky. We've got very great partners and great labels that we're working with, and we've got very good quality music that we're representing. Um, but then we realized that we realized, hold on, we're pushing a lot for a marketplace. And again, like I mentioned, there's a very small market camp for the huge amount of people that want to sell NFTs. And it could just simply be the fact that the crypto markets started going down, it could be a lot of things, but then we realized that there's a lot of more valuable things that we've got in, in the backlog that could resolve problems for music properly. So that, that was kind of the, the, the transition towards that. So it started off as data only. We needed a monetization process, so we built a marketplace. But then we realized that instead of just trying to sell people products, I mean, we're still, again, the songs that we're going to be representing collective royalties for, they're NFTs. So they will be available as an NFT. If someone wants to buy it, that's awesome. But there is a key value here that I, I think that everybody was missing out on and we've been able to crack, which is music NFT marketplaces can only sell new music. And they only sell new music, meaning that if the artist releases a song today, they can sell the NFT today. If the music was released 20 years ago, they're not creating that NFT. And that's the key thing. There's 100, 150, 200, I don't know, let's say 150 uh, years worth of recorded music. And there's a lot of recorded music that's still being exploited today. And we've built a process that allows for legacy catalogs to come to Web3, not to be neglected from this super cool and exciting new technology and resolve a problem in that journey as well. Interesting. All right, cool. Um, yeah, I think that gives a really good picture of, of you know where you came from and how you're using the data and how you pivoted. Um, mm -hmm. With with the NFTs that are available on the platform, are these just so you know you you partner with artists, you create NFTs of their back catalog and you know music going forward to help uh, you know partner it and license it to these metaverses? Um, are those NFTs that become available? Are they just collectibles that people can buy to support the artist, or they do they come with? A percentage of streaming royalties or is it sort of up to the artists on how they want to release those nfts it's a good question it depends on the uh partnerships that we've got okay so there's uh people that again right now we've got a live marketplace but we're working on that since we're making this change uh we've got partnerships that you know we've got a few thousand songs that haven't been uh publicly released to the marketplace yet and uh there are some of them that are just purely collectibles some of them, uh, we're working with the labels to build a proper roadmap for engaging with fans to make it a bit more seamless as well. Instead of forcing people to get the NFT, it's more like buy this song with either your card or crypto and you'll get 10% lifetime discount for concert tickets, for example. Okay, there's, there's a lot of things there that we're helping out with. And um, there's a huge variety. 
uh, in terms of all of that. There's just purely collectibles. There's others that have huge utility. And there are some that are royalties. Okay, and in this case, actually, we, I think that we've got two only that are royalties. One of them being the, one of the biggest projects that we did, which was for Eurovision 2022. And um, the label management and artists that performed those, the song, they wanted to give royalties from streaming. Now, that is actually really cool. We're about to do the first uh, release of that royalty payment, which is really cool. Now, in that case, obviously, this artist has a huge team. Um, if I remember correctly, um, they've got the backing of Universal Music Germany. And they have, obviously, a huge management team as well. Uh, super successful. And um, it's something that we can work with them to make it easy. Now, in terms of giving royalty cuts, it's something that I've always been very careful with. And the reason for being careful is because uh, financial authorities across the world, in the, in, the, in the UK is the FCA, Financial Conduct Authority, and the US is the SEC. They're both very annoying when it comes to blockchain. And um, one thing that the SEC is looking to do is to categorize a lot of cryptocurrencies as securities. What that means is that you need to be compliant with the uh, financial laws and be um, uh, regulated and all that shebang. That would be okay if you're a, UK, a US company and you're regulated by the US. But then if every single other financial authority follows suit, that means that you need a huge legal team to ensure that you're complying with every single um, uh, regulation for every country in the world where you want to be trading. <laughs> What happens there is that if then one of these organizations turns around and says, cool, so any NFT that promises any revenue share and the project is uh, hosted, created by a central public person, i.e. an artist, record label, et cetera, they could essentially turn around and do the same thing. It's the fact that, cool, we are now gonna force you to be regulated if you're offering this. So. That has been my key concern all along. And again, we've got a huge amount of data and we're able to see that not many people are doing this. Not many artists in the NFT space are given royalties as a promise. And the value I think that the guys from the Eurovision song have is the fact that we can adapt that roadmap anyways and still give huge amounts of value because it's a big artist, influential, well-established, touring, doing great stuff. And those things can be adapted as well as we go along. Um, but I think that I'm waiting to see how that whole market develops to be able to start recommending people to give uh, royalties to their holders. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the rights issues with uh, you know distributing royalties and complying with the SEC are definitely pretty complicated, and and all that regulation is is pretty pretty new and still developing and. Yeah, I mean, you know, waiting to see how it plays out is probably kind of the only thing you can do, which is kind of annoying. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, I can see the frustration there with with finding partners like these artists who have the Eurovision song or other labels and artists or or on the other side, you know, metaverses that are using the music. What is your strategy to finding people to start using the platform? And how have you been able to develop these partnerships? Uh, I guess from connections. 
that tends to work quite well. Our investors are very kind and nice to introduce us to metaverses and games that they've got in their investment portfolios. So that's kind of good. Um, we also, you know, we've got a couple of friends in different metaverses. And uh, in terms of labels, it's exactly the same. So we've got a very strong um, advisory team. We've got great advisors in music. Um, I've worked in music my entire career. So, you know, the Eurovision project came through because of a connection that I had. And I was able to call the guys directly. And we had a phone conversation and kind of developed into what it is now. And um, yeah, so I guess that at this stage is very much about nurturing personal relationships, whether it's our, you know, my team, myself and my teams, or whether it's our advisors or investors, and uh, then be able to just build it up. We're a small team anyways. Um, our marketing is quite small anyways, and um, our sales team is probably just myself and, and one more person. So. It's the fact that it's more about making sure our relationships are very strong, that our catalogs are large and good quality, and then we're able to leverage that moving forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. The, I mean, yeah, working in music for so long, I'm sure you have, I guess, a bunch of connections that, that you can work with, which definitely helps with this. Um, sort of, uh, you know, coming close to an hour here, I'm wondering how, you, how are you doing on time? We have a few minutes here. Um, oh, good question. Um, let me just check what's going on. So I need to wrap it up in about yeah, 10 minutes or so, actually. Uh, so okay. for this. Um, um, all right. So I, I guess I have just a couple more questions to ask. I guess the, f the first would be about the DAO and the NFT project that you guys have with SoundPicker, the Pickies. Mm -hmm. um, so... You know, tell me about that. I read, you know, with that, you get access to the DAO and, and some voting rights and the direction of SoundPicker. Did that play any role in, in your guys' pivot recently? And, and, you know, just tell me about that NFT project. Yeah, good question. So um, our NFT, so we were actually going to drop a big collection in August. Uh, we were preparing for it since January. It was a generative art and generative music collection. We had um, actually really cool music so we had the stems and all that stuff from a producer composer from the uk and um we were able to generate thousands of unique songs with that and you know thousands of unique visuals 3d super cool and um instead of that um we started to see what happened um early q2 i think with the whole terra stuff and everybody going crazy and people canceling projects and pulling off some, um, essentially just saying, you know, we've got postponed some of these projects. And we were a bit cautious with that. And then, you know, at some point we will be doing that collection, um, probably closer to next year. At this stage, we are making sure that we are proving first that we're builders so we've built a product is super strong and it's great now we want to make sure that um before asking uh, users for money um that we demonstrate that this thing actually will do you know magic um it's obviously different asking investors very wealthy companies to help us develop it rather than just normal people 
to you know be, be be going to them and saying yeah give us all your money now right so i wanted to make sure that for holders um we can be accountable to them and give them something useful and at the same time we've got investors so we thought that let's be accountable to our investors let's make sure that we prioritize that and that we are able to build something and go back to them and say hey we've built what we promised you we we're going to build now we'll do the next step which is seeing if we raise money from from our community and uh, we build something huge as well um so that's with the main collection now we released two smaller collections uh very very intimate uh 30 or 40 copies each and um it did quite well we've got you know a small amount of holders that engage with us and so far the involvement they've had is in the shaping of our content social media and community outputs um we haven't fully created a DAO, so that is not created yet because my thesis on creating DAOs is that it starts fairly centralized and then you need to build the roadblocks for full decentralization. And so I think that right now we're very busy building and uh, resolving a main problem. So we are not um, focusing on a DAO just yet. You know, in the future, as we keep developing and building the team, we'll be able to um outsource not outsource that but you know essentially put that to other team members and, and help bring that down to fruition but at this stage we still have our community we've got a small number of holders and uh, we engage with them and yeah in any cases that is selling nfts and being an nft project would be completely different from what we're trying to do so we're not a pfp or a music project we are a technology solution and we actually want to prove that um so it's a different way of building the marketing and and promotional efforts if you're an nft project selling nfts with pfps and trying to get the community hyped or using um our existing marketing efforts to do education support and uh make a change in music really Right. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, the PFP craze is sort of over and now the people who are still in it are really trying to build something long-term. So I think that's, I think that's, you know, the right play to prove that you guys are really building a good product and can provide value before, you know, running a massive, uh, not massive, but, you know, running a bigger NFT project where your holders are sort of helping curate the direction. Um, that's cool. Well, um, you know, as we're wrapping up here, if you want to, if there's anything else we didn't touch on or anything you have, you know, coming up that you want to shout out or, you know, anything you have in the works at Soundpicker that you want people to know about, I'll give you, you know, one more chance to, you know, talk about whatever you want before we wrap up. But, um, you know, before that, I appreciate your time. And, you know, I think this is a great conversation. Cheers. Thank you, Jake. I really appreciate it. I think that what you're doing is great. And um, no, I think that we've touched on a lot of things and it's quite a good conversation i'd say that you know for anything that uh, needs clarification we are at soundpicker everywhere um we're mainly on reddit and twitch and of course on discord and i'll be a panelist at the uh, production music association on the 21st of september i'm not sure if this comes before or after that but it's uh, somewhere where we're going to be talking about um our new roadmap 
and the solutions that we're bringing for product for for music in general and uh quite excited so one of our advisors and good friends from uh the licensing world um who's called joel he just got a amazing sync on the fifa and madden games uh, so he's an amazing guy and um you know he sorted out the invitation i'll be talking with him and a couple more music executives there and uh, yeah quite looking forward to seeing the reaction and we're going to take part in a couple of uh, conferences throughout the year and uh, you know hopefully start making a big change in music which is it's needed so yeah i guess uh, it's uh, the only thing i wanted to mention so i appreciate it jake thank you so much man yeah yeah thanks again we'll have to do it again sometime again you know get some more updates mm -hmm. on how everything's been going yeah good luck with uh you know the podcast with the work and all that uh it's great to stay connected and um yeah look forward to chatting again all right thanks you too see you all right thank you so much for listening make sure you check the links in the description to find and support alex and Soundpicker. if you enjoyed this podcast you can follow us on social media at the web3 music pod on all platforms to keep up with new episodes and announcements and tune in next week to hear a conversation with aj from float dow a music curation DAO that's pioneering the curate to earn model.